everybody. This is Chico Nunez and you're listening to the Hives podcast, Somos Melanated Voices. I'm really happy today because we are a special episode for you on October, which we are uh, commemorating Domestic Violence Awareness Month. I'm going to let my guests introduce themselves. We have an amazing guests today, which are part of the team of the Hive. And we're going to start with the person on my left. All right. Thank you, Chio. Hi, everyone. My name is Amara Marshall. I have the pleasure of serving as the executive coordinator here at The Hive. Part of my role is providing direct support for our CEO, um, in addition to office management as a whole for our team, as well as overseeing the development and administration of our emergency economic justice program. All right. Thank me. you, Amra. All right. Hard to follow that up. Hey, everybody. My name is Jelana Webb. I'm the legal outreach advocate with The Hive, so I assist survivors with making the initial report. Um, I assist them with follow-up with law enforcement, getting orders of protection and restraining orders. I give survivors legal referrals as well as general advocacy. Thank you, Jelana. And that leaves me. My name is Meredith Matthews. I am the education and outreach manager. And what that essentially means is I spread the word of not only our services, but of the issues. So whether that's um, educating the public on domestic violence, sexual assault, or trafficking, I'm the person to uh, make those connections and to make sure that we are spreading awareness. Thank you, Meredith. Um, and as you know, I'm Chio Nunez, philanthropy and practice officer here at the Hive Community Circle. As I told you in the beginning, this is a special episode we're having because we are commemorating Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Domestic violence impacts millions of people each year, but it can be prevented. It requires the collective voices and power of individuals, families, institutions, and systems. The Domestic Violence Awareness Project developed a unified message around hashtag one thing. Change can start with only one thing. One person's actions may seem insignificant, but together, all one things collectively within communities can lead to real social transformation. This is why at The Hive, we believe that sharing our stories can have a ripple effect and can inspire others to action. Most importantly, the lives and experiences of marginalized communities in South Carolina. Therefore, today we will having a conversation around the one things our team believes could make an impact in the lives of survivors of domestic violence. And we will open this conversation by asking our guests today, what do you think is the one thing we can do to center black, indigenous, and people of color lives while combating domestic violence? Who wants to start? <laughs> Are we going to edit that? that, that no, we're not. Oh my goodness! All right. Well, again, y'all are so silly. This is um, Amra, and uh, for me, I think the number one thing that we can do to center um, Black, Indigenous, and people of colors' lives while combating d domestic violence is the availability of housing. And I'm, I'm not talking about just the first temporary housing option that comes across just because we know that identifying housing can be really challenging but what i'm referencing is safe quality accessible and affordable housing and so with the availability of all of those of course very fantastic descriptive words <laughs> you also have the opportunity to provide um, individuals specifically women of color children of color with safe child care with accessible trans uh, transportation with the opportunity to find uh, sustainable employment opportunities and so yeah I just think the best thing for us to be able to do as a, as, as the hive and as um, other South Carolina organizations is to be able to provide opportunities for um, housing 
and trying to figure out what we can do to make sure that that is going to exist forever and ever and ever. Amra is our our expert in economic justice, so I understand why she definitely came with that one. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Amra. What about y'all, Meredith, Jelana? What do you think that we can do to center the lives of black, indigenous, and people of color? I would say, honestly, this is going to sound so simple, but just listen. I think so many people come into certain communities and trying to tell us about our existence. But what I say to people, especially black and Latin um, people um, who are experiencing domestic violence, you are the expert of your life. Of course. You know, we're just here to essentially help you and empower that voice. But listen. Yep. Yep. Mine is kind of simple, too. (laughs) Now that I think, well, it's actually not that simple, but understanding is the one thing that I think we can do to center people of color when it comes to um, domestic violence. Understanding that the many powers that be make it so much harder for people of color to leave violent relationships. So one thing we do know is that there's no justice in the judicial system for people of color. Mm-hmm. Not gonna expand on that. I'm gonna leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> I will take another hour. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like we we all can have a lot of have a lot of opinions around that more mm-hmm. so because of the work that we do. Mm-hmm. And you as a legal advocate, I'm sure that you see all these every day in terms mm-hmm. of like what are the barriers there people of color, more so survivors as a whole. Right. But then when we got right. the intersection around people of color, like more so black and Latine, mm-hmm. um, there is a lot of barriers that happen when they are trying to navigate the legal system. So, um, yeah, I I think that everyone can say that Jelana is a superhero in what she does For and sure. legal oh, wow. advocacy. Oh, that's 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 <laughs> <laughs> yes, she is. Yes, I she is. Say all of that. And and that actually talks about like a system that we have in terms of the the intersections of, and barriers that we have. And so when we talk about systems and we talk about what are the um, challenges the survivors have. Um, I wanted to ask you all, what is the one thing that you think that will ensure accountability for survivors of color? So for me, I would think, actually, I know that the very existence of the hive being black led, uh, we're all BIPOC women. We come from various different backgrounds. Our very existence is holds the public and the powers at be accountable by reminding them to not forget about us. And I think so many times we are often left behind um, when it comes to social justice. Uh, We aren't centered. And I was um, raised on the belief that you are the, what's the the, um, quote that I'm thinking of? Um, I was raised on the belief that you are to hold the people who are most vulnerable in the community the closest and so many times especially in south carolina i'm not going to go into my political rant (laughs) however so many times we are not centered and you know um we definitely should be um taking care of taking care of the most vulnerable communities and i think we are here the hive is here to remind them that we are bad and we're we're ready to take on this issues and the issues of sexual violence domestic violence human trafficking all the things and to remind people that that our people deserve a voice yeah of course beautifully said (laughs) (laughs) but do you have anything to add 
When I think about accountability, I'm thinking about Jelana and Meredith's answers as far as listening and as far as, um, dang it. Understanding. Yeah, listening and understanding. And so I think the Hive does a really good job of being able to, a great job, excuse me, of showing up and being able to do that. So whether that's through surveys, whether that's through focus group, whether that's just sitting in in our our peer listening circles and just being able to have those conversations and know that, the information that's being shared in the in the very vulnerable way is helpful for us to identify like okay these are the these are the the areas of concerns these are the areas of improvement how can we take this information and improve our services and improve systems uh, in a way that meets their needs and so also I'm very big on community I'm very big on sisterhood so I always tell people I am my sister's keeper I am my brother's mm-hmm. keeper so when I think about ca- accountability in a way that um, I think would be as impactful and beneficial outside of us being able to make these grand changes from a very systemic level, I think about community as a whole. And so just knowing that the people that we work with, um, including the survivors we serve, right, including um, the keepers of the hive. So our keepers of the hive are people who are um, who make donations, but people who are volunteers, people who are... Um, I'm so sorry. I'm just making all this noise. <laughs> so the people who who make donations, the people who volunteer, the people who choose to serve in whatever capacity they serve, like those are that's our community. And just knowing that we have the ability to work with people across Columbia, across the state, and really across the nation. Right? There have been so many people providing support from New York to Maryland, from Illinois to California, all over the places. And just knowing that um, as a whole, we can come together to provide that kind of support. Um, that meets the needs and the wants and the just, I don't know. It just, it meets whatever gap in services that survivors and their families are currently experiencing. And I think that's really important. So I hope that was helpful and not like a. Yeah, no, of course. And I think that you, you, you pinpoint something important on the gaps. I feel like whenever the Hive was being founded, um, Ashley, which is our CEO and funder, um, she understood that there were gaps, and more so gaps around how survivors of color were being treated mm-hmm. and how survivors of color were getting the services. And so I think that the Hive, the biggest thing that it does is filling those gaps. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually a great segue for my next question, which is what do y'all think the most impactful one thing that the Hive gives to survivors? Does, does it have to be one? Can I say two? You can say a lot of one things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so my two number one things, of course, I'm going to always say uh, emergency economic justice support. That financial yes. assistance goes yes. so far. Mm-hmm. And so there's only, I mean, we require that we require funding to be able to provide that support that provides everything else. So my number one goal is always going to say that financial assistance at whatever capacity. And what I like about the hive is that the financial assistance that we provide, um, there are very minimal restrictions. And so that's awesome for people who require that this is a very specific field, right? This is people Mm -hmm. are experiencing so many things that you would never take into consideration. And so just knowing that the funding that we have available provides whatever support is needed is great. My second number one uh, thing, most impactful thing I think is hope. And so, of course, mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll talk a little bit more about that later. <laughs> you know, hint, hint, wink, wink. Um, <laughs> but the ability to provide hope and that safe space for those that we serve is so important because you don't know for how many years 
you know, maybe weeks, months, years that someone has been experiencing something so harmful Mm -hmm. that the ability to finally come into a space and be like, you know what, I need, I need, I need help. I need support. I need encouragement. I need care. And the fact that we're able to provide all of those things and wrap it up in a little bow of hope is, I think, the best, one of the best things that um, the Hive and organizations such as the Hive is able to, are able to provide. So, yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I I think, honestly, now this answer is going to be um, definitely, uh, I'm just comparing um, my work at other orgs to this one, and I'll be utterly transparent. What I like about the Hive is that we're not just checking boxes. Mm. We're not just putting and padding numbers to, to make our impact report look astounding for whatever funding that is coming down the pipeline. Yep. We are approaching this issue about survivorship and victim advocacy. We're approaching this with the mindset of holistic wraparound support. And, and I'm sure you will hear us talk about holistic wraparound support all the time, <laughs> but it's for real. Mm-hmm. We're not just focusing on this little one aspect of one person's existence and how we can help them. No, Mm -hmm. we are literally looking at people as a whole human being. Mm -hmm. And then when you are a whole human being, you're not broken. And that's what I think is very integral to actually getting people towards healing. You would think it would be so simple, but a lot (laughs) of people in a lot of places don't think of it like that. And essentially Mm -hmm. what they're doing is patching, uh, uh, putting on a Band-Aid, and, and then it's the cycle continues. Yeah. So um, that's what I think the difference about the hive and what's the one thing that I think is so important that we provide to our clients. Um, but I don't, I don't think I even have the words to actually explain how important that is. And I think it comes from the fact that we are survivors ourselves. Mm-hmm. We get it. Yeah. You know, and, and one thing I like about in our team meetings is what whenever we're going around giving updates, we we say, um, I got you, sis. Yeah. I think that's that's literally what we're doing with our clients. <laughs> I got you. Whatever you need, I got you. Yeah. Okay. I think the one thing that the Hive gives survivors is choice. So we have these various resources, um, and they have the agency to decide what they need at that moment. We if you need somebody to talk to, if you need financial support, if you need both, if you're ready to volunteer, we meet survivors where they are in their journey, and we do that without judge- judgment. Excuse me. Yeah, for sure. Can I add one more thing too? Yes, in, of course. In, in tandem with um, being able to provide, um, sorry, you're good. My brain just went whoop. You're good. Um, but <laughs> in tandem with our ability to provide um, hope. I also think that the fact that whenever someone walks into our building, they are seen immediately mm-hmm. um, says a lot. So from the time, because Jelana and I are, and, and Brandy too, we're opening the doors, we're greeting them with love. <laughs> yeah. You know, they come into the parlor, or excuse me, the, the foyer. I'm, I'm very old school. I'm very old fashioned. <laughs> well, come I'm to the parlor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to call it a parlor. But when we, when we greet people and with love, um, we welcome them to the parlor, or the foyer, whatever you want to refer to it as. Um, <laughs> You know, do, can we can we get you some water? Can I get you a snack? Some some folks want want a pop or a soda, whatever y'all like yeah. to say. I don't, Definitely I'm, a soda. I'm a, I'm a I'm a retired 
Midwesterner, but I know where home is. Okay, it's going to be pop. But just knowing that they can come in and, and receive that love. And, you know, we, we see some of the same faces and they know mm-hmm. that we care for them. And I think that that's really makes my day as someone who didn't start off in micro social work, being mm-hmm. able to actually see the faces that we are providing support and assistance and hope and, and economic support seeing how they feel like a re- they feel that sense of relief when they walk into our doors is like very um heartwarming for me mm-hmm. um because i'm really sensitive but you know we're not gonna talk about that <laughs> <laughs> it's but not I, a bad thing to be sensitive yes I, I, let's I put it out it. There. i receive it so yeah just to know it's heartwarming for me but just to know how how much care they receive when they are in the hands of jelana or brandy or of ari and just the the smiles the um the uh, we give hugs right hugs and, <laughs> and, and little gleeful, consented hugs yeah consented. consented hugs gleeful black girl banter all the things so it's just really nice to know that people are able to come in here and feel seen and supported and cared for and they and in tandem again they have that hope and mm-hmm. that's what I really like about um, the services that we provide and outside of services just existing as Meredith so um, del- not delicately as Meredith so uh, eloquently put just to be able to exist in community and in sisterhood um, means a lot I think for us as um, primary and secondary survivors just knowing that we got you and we see you we're here for you forever and always that's what we're here for and I think that's again something that sets the hive apart from other organizations uh, yes, and I think it also, uh, in, in my experience at the Hive, um, I think it starts as like a team. I mm-hmm. think there is a culture around the team where we also see each other as human beings. Mm-hmm. Like uh, me, for instance, being an immigrant, being like here in the United States for five years, um, the Hive was really the first place that I came and I didn't have to hide who I was, mm-hmm. you know? I didn't have to explain myself or like explain like, oh, what I do this a certain way or what I say this in certain language. Um, and I think that that translates also when it comes to the services that we provide to survivors. I mm-hmm. mean, they understand that we see you as a human being. Right. Uh, and instead of like uh, pointing out differences or being like, oh, you know what? Um, you don't speak English, like we cannot help you. It's more like we celebrate that. And mm-hmm. like, I think that that's, at the end of the day, what you're saying, and everybody here really is about community. It's about um, how you see your neighbor. Um, and so I think that a lot of organizations, as Mary was pointing it, don't do that. They see numbers, they see funding, they see many things. And so when it comes to philanthropy as a whole, and that's another conversation too, I feel like there is a lot of still biases and white supremacy on it. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like the Hive does a great job to be able to understand and uphold the accountability around not upholding um, those, um, you know, those those biases and that white supremacy and that like uh, just damaging things around, you know, service in general. Um, and Amber, you were talking about hope, and um, that's actually one of um, the questions that I have for. Our legal advocate, Jelana. Um, you, Jelana, you, I mean, we all we all have been advocates at a certain point at the Hive. Mm-hmm. Um, however, Jelana is, is part of the advocacy team. The advocacy team at the Hive is um, constituted by Ari Foster, which is the peer support program manager. Shout out to um, Ari. Shout out to Ari. <laughs> um, we love Ari. Uh, we have Brandy Del Rio, which is the bilingual advocate, and mm-hmm. we have uh, our dearest Jelana. 
Um, <laughs> so Joanna, what is up. what is the one thing you feel aside from what Amber just Amber just really said a lot about right? hope she kinda, she and what <laughs> and what survivors uh, you know because I feel like mm-hmm. maybe it's kind of obvious but also I I feel that it's important for people to paint a picture around mm-hmm. what is to be an advocate for a survivor and how is it that aside from a smile or aside from um, listening <laughs> what is the one thing that you feel that the hive does for survivors to give them hope I feel like the hive gives survivors a sense of community so it's very powerful to have other people who can relate and understand your experience on a diff- different and deeper level because they've either experienced that or they've known somebody who has experienced that um, so they understand your needs and they understand that your journey doesn't have to be lonesome which we know is is a major manipulation tactic, you know, isolating someone, making them feel like there's nobody out there who will understand what they're going through and there there aren't resources out there, but when you know that there's a community of people out there for you and that they can help you get and allocate those resources, yeah. it just helps that journey become much more, well, much less lonely. Of course, yeah. And so for, for other guests, um, in your experience, um, as a whole, not just like what the hive can do, but also just what do you feel that gives survivors hope? When there's someone else that is has gone through what you've gone through, or even sometimes quote unquote worse, but yet has transcended that, tra- has transcended the story that was written for them by someone else. I think that's really what it comes down to, like, having hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to harp on the hive too much. However, um, that's why we're here. Please do it. And Yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Um, I think the hive has done such a phenomenal job in being intentional in how we've handpicked our team members. And so because of that, I have the pleasure of hearing and seeing and just – really just basking in the the advocacy work that our entire team is able to provide as a whole. And that's been really refreshing. And so, of course, I share an, an office with Brandy and Jelana. And just to hear how well she does her research, she's following back, she's, you know, going above and beyond ensuring that, you know, anything that is required, W-2s, um, applications, if there's a gap in application, making sure that whoever is required for whatever is required to make sure that a specific need is met, um, just knowing that Jelana and I can I can speak for Jelana mostly because I hear her conversations. I hear <laughs> I hear the glee, I hear the frustration, I hear mm-hmm. like the the care and the passion that goes into this work. And I think what um, what has been hopeful, what, what provides, what what offers and allows for hope for survivors is knowing that they have people here that not only look like them who have not only had similar experiences but they know that the work is being done they don't have to worry that and just kind of like flip like that we're sitting down like kind of twiddling our our thumbs even though sometimes we may may get calls you know just kind of checking up on things but just knowing that the work is being done yeah um I think that that provides a lot of hope for people because sometimes you know you're you're worried you're you're in this you're in a, a completely different life circumstance and you want to make sure that you are being showed up and and you want to make sure that people are showing up and caring for you the way that you would like to be shown up and cared for you but sometimes it's hard to navigate these systems because this isn't a system that you're used to of course shoot 
see I'm not cussing <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's sometimes it's hard for us to navigate these systems right. because these systems were yeah. not created to be navigated for people like us exactly. they were exactly. <laughs> and I won't That's turn into point. I won't turn this to Meredith right now because she's probably more you know can uh, speak to this more eloquently than than, than I can <laughs> however these systems were not created for us these systems were nope. created for uh, people with power and with power comes money and prestige and influence to be able to do what they want to do and mm-hmm. so of course whatever they're doing that they want to do has nothing to do with making sure that the needs of people who are underserved mm-hmm. and who are being harmed are met yeah. So I, I, um, and I, I'm trying not to get on a tangent and kind of stick to, no, go stick to wherever, like but uh, <laughs> right. Thank you. you're already there. Thank you. Oh gosh. <laughs> Land it. Land it. Land it. <laughs> um, I, and so I'll bring it to a close and just saying that I really like the fact that we have so many team members who are, um, they walk the walk and they talk the talk. We are about it. We've been about it and we are here to serve. <laughs> And, um, yeah, I think that that provides folks with hope because we look like them. We talk like them. We've had similar experiences. And you know that we're showing up for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what counts at the very end of the day. Of course. So. Yeah, because we're Jelani, trying our best. <laughs> Jelani was saying something um, that I think is sometimes something that we don't understand. If you have never been in a, a survivor or you haven't had anyone around you, there is a lot of loneliness when it comes to being mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a victim of a crime as a whole, but a victim of domestic violence, mm-hmm. um, and 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 to go to that survivorship, um, it's a very lonely journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I feel that when you have people that are fighting for you, you know, you feel like, oh, I'm I'm worthy of this because one of the things that people know about domestic violence, when you are a survivor or a victim of it. Um, there's a lot of things that happening psychologically because right. of course we understand that there's many many um, ways to be violent against another human being uh, physically psychologically monetarily uh, and many many more however the physical toll of domestic violence is something that sometimes never leaves you I mean even myself I had I was um, when I was in a domestic violence situation, I was 21 and I'm 32 now. And I still, to this day, will get triggered for certain things. Right. And I go to therapy and I do all these things and stuff. But it still is something that goes with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes something away from you. And so when you have that community, when you have that person, you can see that peer support. One thing that I love about the organization is our peer healing circles. Because it's more than just going to a therapist and talking about like whatever happened to you you're face to face with someone that had the same experience experience that you did and it's not just therapy is like understanding your feelings and having tools to understand those feelings and how you can navigate those feelings when you're you know at a meeting at 10 a.m on your office and then out of nowhere something triggers you what do you do yeah. and so i think that the hive does a great job in terms of understanding that survivors are not a silo and 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 there are many things that we have to um tackle in terms of our journey to, to our to healing mm-hmm. um and so um, i want to finish with the question for all of you so what is the one thing in a tangible way that you can offer the community to get involved in the effort to end domestic violence Um, I guess for me, uh, being the education and outreach manager, um, one tangible thing that I would like to see um, from 
people um, from star stakeholders and for um, community um, members is um, a dedication to spread the word. We're the only BIPOC victim advocacy, survivor advocacy organization in the state of South Carolina. I don't need to go and explain the statistics about how important that is, but I do think that as far as, I hate to quote like Lion King, but as far as the light touches, <laughs> we need people to know about the services of the high. Of course. You know, I'm from yeah. the low country. I'm from not only the low country, but a rural community yeah. where uh, violence is going unchecked. Yeah. I want to see the my people, I want to see rural communities knowing about the hive and what we can offer. Of Even if it's a added a added layer of protection, um, if you're working with one agency or a victim advocate or what have you, I I want everyone to get in contact with me or another member of the hive if I'm not available and ask how can I get um or, or get a reading material or pamphlets or flyers or what have you in my community, in my hospital, in my everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, I want them to make that connection because I can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, and once we open that door, sign up to volunteer. Mm. You know, if you have like yes. whatever festival, you know, South yes. Carolina is known for festivals. <laughs> we have random festivals. Yep. Mm -hmm. If you want us to show up at in your neck of the woods, just holler at us. Yep. Let us know. Say, I really want you to be here. Yeah. And we'll show up. I promise you. If, <laughs> but if I have the time and the manpower, I would certainly love to just show up where I I I can. Just just open that door for me, and we'll we'll run right through. Just to echo what Meredith was saying, uh, if you are interested, you can um, send us an email to helloatthehive.org uh, and Meredith can share with you our form for people to uh, submit if they want us to be in an event, a tabling event, a festival like Meredith was saying, training requests or anything that you want um, the Hive to support with just in terms of prevention or education. Hello at the hive.org, um, and we can support you with that. Um, Amra, Joanna, what do you think is a tangible way mm -hmm. that people in the community uh, can get involved? Money. <laughs> money! <laughs> money! <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of survivors are dependent on their abusers, so it's kind of hard to leave a situation when you don't have any resources to leave the situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you don't have anywhere to go. Yes. It's no housing out here. Don't get me started. I'm sorry. Housing. <laughs> There's nowhere to go. There's simply nowhere to go. So what can they do? Where can they go when they are having these relationships that are violent? You of can't course. go anywhere. Yeah. So you're back against the wall and you just don't have any resources. So if you want to help somebody in an abusive relationship, the best thing you can do is provide them with finances. True. And the Hive just launched um a campaign called actually hope is um where we are trying to get the message out there to people that want to be involved in philanthropic endeavors around domestic violence that what the hive does is what we are saying in this podcast today 
that gives hope to survivors. And so if you're interested in donating, you can go to our website, uh, www.thehivecc.org, and you can see all the ways that you can support. You can also donate in the moment, and you can also email me, chio at thehivecc.org, and I can support you also in understanding how can uh, funding opportunities um, will be available for you. As, as Jelana was saying, and as Meredith said, we are the only BIPOC-led, culturally-specific organization in South Carolina. Therefore, we understand that whenever we apply for funding, there is also some disadvantages that we have already. Um, and so when we go to the community and we talk about how the community can get involved, um, it's important for you to understand that your funding does go to impact the lives of survivors. Your funding does go to change the lives of people that have been in a domestic violence situation. So, um, Jelana, just talk on my topic. Um, but, um, Amory, do you have anything to add? Um, so what I offer to the community, um, in, in terms of a tangible way to provide assistance would be partnerships. So partnerships, for communities um, support multiple organizations across a specific area across the state. We It allows them to reduce duplication of services. It allows them to provide a larger need and it allows us to support more people. Mm-hmm. So the ability, so like I stated earlier with our EEJ program, what I like about the Hive is that our funding for that program is not restricted. We are able to provide assistance for um, transportation. And just for people to know, EEJ is emergency and economic justice. Yes. So sorry. Thank you so much, Gio. <laughs> um, it, it, there's there's very little restriction. So we're able to provide assistance for um, transportation, for utility assistance, for grocery assistance, uh, for child care, for, for all things that you wouldn't even be able to imagine, right? But, however, dot, 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 sometimes funding... The, the amount of funding that people require, we may not be able to meet. And so just knowing that there's an opportunity for us to connect with potentially like a, a food bank, right, or the transportation system in whatever capacity, whether that's like Comet or Uber or Lyft or whatever other transportation opportunities exist, they allow us to kind of get together to move the needle in, in, in how much support that we're able to provide for not only one person, but for multiple people as a whole. And so um, in addition to that, I also think that partnership, like I said, I'm very much a, a sister girl. Sisterhood is very important to me. <laughs> Went to all women's a black college. Shout out to Bennett College. <laughs> Keep that in there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, partnerships also include our volunteers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Partnerships also include our um, our donations, whether that is a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation, of course, we would really appreciate those reoccurring donations. Oh, yes. In addition to meeting any kind of campaigns that, you know, come across your inbox or your <laughs> mailbox, um, that partnership is however you are able or however you choose to show up, not only for us, of course, um, but the survivors that we serve. And so, again, the, the Hive is comprised of primary and secondary survivors. We, we do this work because this work is very passionate to us. We hope to be able to reach other people who are just as passionate, if not more, um, because this is this, this uh, community, and um, as far as those we serve, in this community as far as Columbia, in this community as, as, as the state of South Carolina, you know, it's hard for me to work on saying that, that, that way, it's a little tough, <laughs> um, is important. The people who are from here or who reside here are important and we want them to feel that we want that to, we want them to know that and 
they know that by knowing that other people care just as much as they care about themselves and just as much as we care about them. My final thought about partnerships um, is, and so I just want to reiterate what Jelana was speaking on as far as housing being very challenging to be able to secure, being able to place folks in in, in housing. And of course, when I, I mentioned housing, I do want to say again, we're looking for a safe, quality, accessible, and affordable housing. Because without that, without safety, without quality, without accessible, without affordable, we're really not showing up for survivors the way that we need to. Um, so in addition to that, I do want to say that we are looking to expand our framework of housing. And so whether that's temporary or transitional housing. And so for us, that looks like um, being able to work with private landlords, right? It is, it, and I can, I, I know I'm speaking for myself, but I'm also speaking on behalf of Jelana, that it can be really <laughs> challenging mm-hmm. to be able to identify uh, property managers, private landlords, apartment complexes, whoever, whoever, right? who are willing to work with us and work with the survivors that we serve based on so many restrictive barriers. So whether that's um, an, a, an eviction record, uh, whether that's them not making three times the rent with I uh, three times the rent what I just think that is absolutely ludicrous because mm-hmm. who is yeah. making three times the rent mm-hmm. let me know mm-hmm. <laughs> I got some questions right, right. <laughs> but there's so without scamming yeah <laughs> but there's so many different barriers and so for us we're looking to be able to um expand our housing framework by having these partnerships with private landlords or property managers who are willing to work with the, those we serve and work, work with sorry and work with the hive because we that, that's that's part of our community without having housing as our initial area to start off with I think it's very difficult for survivors to be able to meet all of their other needs right so we right. have to think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs if we don't have shelter we don't have that safe shelter quality yeah. shelf, shelter affordable shelter um and accessible so mm-hmm. whatever accessible means to you mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. the work that we're doing is not meeting the needs um as as appropriately um or as fully as uh, as survivors deserve so as to what amber was saying about partnerships i like that she kind of touched on seeing past the survivor's story and kind of seeing them as a person mm-hmm. so we know that they have varying needs and that you can't really put too many stipulations on how you provide those needs. It can't be a one-size-fit-all or mm-hmm. take-it-or-leave it type of service. You have to be able to meet them where they are. So if you are providing financial assistance, you can't just say, oh, you can only buy bananas. Mm-hmm. And um, you have to show me this, that, and the third. You have to have your life on the perfect path because there is no perfect path. Mm-hmm. So that's all I wanted to touch on because I think that's so odd that you would say that somebody has to, with this money, you can only get bananas or oranges. What if I don't like bananas or oranges? <laughs> For sure. And what if I don't have all my ducks in a row right now? Yeah. Yeah. And and one thing that I feel like the Hive does great is understanding again that intersections of being a survivor. So mm-hmm. for instance, for a financial assistance program, we don't um, precisely require for a survivor to report a crime right, to the right. police which is something that a lot of people don't think about mm-hmm. um but it's like in our communities we definitely don't have the biggest trust to, to p- police officers and right. that's the truth and so sometimes a survivor most of the times they won't report what happened mm-hmm. um there's also a lot of things that require to report a crime you know proof and like if it, the if this if your abuser is the one that has you know the money in the in the 
in the house, they have money to hire a lawyer. You don't have money to hire a lawyer. So there's a lot of things that sometimes um, we have to consider right. when it comes to survivorship. Mm -hmm. um, survivors don't report mm -hmm. their uh, their abuse most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that's something that I think that the Hive does um, really well, just understanding what you were saying, Jelana, just like there is not one fit for all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to point it out that it's like, of course, we understand that as a whole, domestic violence is a it's an epidemic. Like it takes lives every day. I mean, I believe the last time I checked, sixty-eight every sixty-eight seconds, somebody somebody will be sexually assaulted in America. But when we talk about South Carolina specifically, this last year, them. South Carolina was number 23rd um, on femicides, which is when a woman is killed by a man. Um, and so before that, we were always in the top 10 of the states um, that had uh, femicides in the country. So South Carolina, it's a state where domestic violence, sexual assault, and stalking is an, a big epidemic it takes lives every day and more so it takes lives of people that are from marginalized communities people that look just like us so it's important when we talk about this and when we just wrap up this special episode um october is a commemoration uh, of domestic violence awareness month but it's it's more than just wearing purple or talking about specific things like um, yeah, we understand the domestic what domestic violence is. Um, it is about collectively understanding that we can do one thing to support survivors to end domestic violence. I don't know. I don't know if ending domestic violence is in the future. I don't know if I'm going to be alive for that. However, I believe that if we all understand and we are aware of what is going on, we can definitely support the people that are um, in domestic violence situations and even reduce and prevent that someone can be a victim of sexual assault, domestic violence, or stalking. So thank you so much to our guests today, Amra, Jelana, Meredith. This was really interesting. It was really fun also to hear your voices and to hear your opinions. And thank you so much for listening um, to the Hive podcast, Somos Melanated Voices. This is our ep special episode for October, Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And we will be back uh, next month. So thank you so much. You know that you can listen to the podcast and all the platforms you can imagine, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and all the others that I don't know the names, but we are there. <laughs> so thank you so much, everybody. Uh, and we'll see you later. The Hive Community Circle is a survivor-led, survivor-driven support organization helping women and girls in South Carolina overcome the trauma of sexual assault, intimate partner violence, and stalking. We are on a mission to provide unwavering support and compassion through centering safety and wellness to the most impacted yet most underserved survivors in South Carolina. To learn more about our organization, visit us at www.thehivecc.org.